Well, the Detroit Tigers have a rainout on Wednesday to to a very large storm headed through the Metro Detroit area. Hope everyone stays safe. So we're going to catch up on some news and notes happening throughout the organization over the last few days. Going to talk about some promotions, a lot of promotions in the minor leagues. We'll discuss uh, draft signee deadline has passed. We'll talk about how the Tigers fared in that. And then obviously the talk of the town is the trade deadline. Not only are we going to talk about the Tigers and where they stand and if anything's changed, rumors, etc. We're also going to talk about the AL Central as a whole and where the teams in there stand and what it could mean for the future of the division. All today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers. Your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Thursday, July 27th, 2000. And 23. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. All righty. Well, the Detroit Tigers do not play a baseball game on Wednesday. Big storm. Very big storm. I hope that everyone is doing okay. Everyone stayed safe and whatnot. I have, uh, I know several people, some family that has had, you know, power knocked out and, you know, trees all over the place and whatnot. So I hope everyone's doing well, uh, staying safe and whatnot if you're in the area. Um, but it did lead to no Tigers game being played on Wednesday. There will be a straight doubleheader by the sounds of it on Thursday. Uh, if you're listening to this on Thursday. So today, um, and you know, we'll talk about it a little bit at the end, but it's very funny to me. We were going to miss Otani. And then now there's a doubleheader, so now we're not going to miss Otani on the mound. So that's our luck, I feel like. But um, there's a lot of stuff happening around the organization, within the organization, that we haven't had time to discuss uh, because a lot has, I don't want to say changed, but occurred since the All-Star break when we last had our our few days off in a row. We were able to kind of catch up on things, right? So I want to start with, organizational promotions uh, before the Giants game. So before Monday's game, uh, a lot, a a flurry, you would even say, of moves happened within the organization, a lot of promotions and whatnot. Um, We won't go through every single one because, again, it was kind of a handful, but uh, there's definitely some notable ones. So I think the most notable, eh, we'll say a tie for most notable, um, there was Jace Young was promoted to double A Erie. Uh, he's been in West Michigan all year. So the thing about Jace Young, he he's been hitting for a lot more power lately. His OPS in the last want to say month is like through the roof. He's he's been uh he's been hitting a lot better. Still haven't really seen him hit for a super high average. And I know that at the major league level, like I'm the I'm the oh batting average, like doesn't matter too terribly much guy, but um, I don't know. It's it, it's an interesting philosophy. Like if if you're not hitting for average down in the low levels of the minors, that's different to me than like not hitting for average in, in, in the majors necessarily. So we'll see what happens. I wanted them to take Young the night of the draft, right? Like I, I was on the, the same live stream and um, very much thought that that was the pick given where they were at. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But he has been raking as of late for sure. Again, kind of a power surge. In there, there's also some questions about how like his athletic ability will translate defensively. 
Like there's some people that just straight up don't even think he'll be able to stick at second base and are already talking about like, oh, maybe first base or like stick him, try to see if he can play right field long term. Um, I don't know if I'm I'm that aggressive on that spectrum yet, but uh, I mean, the the improvements that are needed defensively are, are pretty blatant there still. So um, good to see him get promoted, though. I, I think he's deserved. He doesn't have too much else left to prove down in West Michigan, especially at the plate and and the defensive stuff like that's not really like, oh, you figure it out at one level and then you're going to like sucking at the next level like that kind of is just going to follow him until he figures it out so i'm very okay with the promotion i think it's good timing um and i'm excited to see what he does against double the the jump between high single a and double a uh is is major so we'll see uh we'll see how he does but congratulations to him another step closer to detroit uh the other one that we'll say is tied with jace young is um is jackson Job. It has been promoted from Lakeland to West Michigan. That's low single A to high single A. There is no more just like regular single A anymore after the COVID cuts uh, of minor league system. So, um, I mean, I'm super pumped about this one. I know Jackson Job will forever be controversial within this fan base, but that does not take away from the fact that uh, this season he has been incredible. Uh, and not only that, he's been incredible coming off of a pretty serious back injury that sidelined him for, a, for pretty much the entire first half. So, um, A, surprised really that he's – not that he's out there. I think I expected him to pitch at some point this season, but uh, surprised at how good he looks given the fact that he's coming off an injury at whatever he is, 21 years old now. So, uh, great to see that. And he has been spinning it. I, like, obviously, I guess we kind of knew that. That's why they drafted him, right? He's been spinning it since he was like 16. But um, – he he has looked really well. He's looked really well. I think Chris Brown of Motor City Metrics put out a was was talking about a stat at one point where um like his slider has only been put in play once all season and like that spinny slider is obviously was like his selling point at 3 overall. So good to see that. He's really been lighting it up. Um he still isn't going like super deep into ball games, but that's kind of expected given the fact that he's 2021 20, and coming off of a big injury. So uh, we'll see how they utilize him in West Michigan, but that's, that's good. Two thumbs up there. Um, and then some other ones I want to touch on Winsiel Perez finally gets promoted to Toledo. Not finally because uh, he's like deserved it and has, you know, like a 1200 OPS down there or anything, but um, just fi- like he was a, an addition to the 40 man. Like Winsiel Perez was a guy that, that uh, back in the winter, we were talking about like I don't think anyone really had on their radar to get added to the forty man to avoid getting taken in the Rule Five draft. And Scott Harris came in, and one of the first things he did was add Winsiel Perez to the forty. So seeing him get one step closer to Toledo is is uh, nice. One step closer to Detroit, rather through Toledo, is nice to see. I will also say that it is fascinating to me how crowded Toledo has gotten all of a sudden. Like that's that can't be just like blown over. Like that there is a a lot of of talent and a lot of the the prospect pool that this fan base and organization is excited about is is starting to like exclusively be in Toledo almost. So that's something to keep an eye on. I do think that we'll get some call-ups after the trade deadline, so it might just be kind of prepping for that. Um, and then Luke Gold moves from Lakeland to West Michigan as well. Uh, drafted a couple, I believe, in the Jackson Job draft. Or was he in the Jace Young draft? One of the last two drafts. But um, he was a guy that some people were pretty excited about and um, struggled early on and and has recovered very, very nicely. So nice to see him get 
kind of a nod there as well. Like I said, a few other smaller ones, but those are the ones I mainly wanted to talk about. So, uh, yeah, the uh, as the, I believe the Detroit Tigers development like Twitter page is literally at Road to Detroit. So that's uh, one certainly, certainly that one step closer to Detroit for all these guys. We'll keep an eye on him and talk about him here, obviously. Um, let's talk about, I guess, pretty seamless transition from that to the Detroit Tigers draft signing deadline has come and gone. It was on Tuesday afternoon. Uh, so they have, unless there's like an unreported one that has gone under the radar, the Tigers have signed all of the players they will sign out of the 2023 draft class. And we have great news, everyone. The Tigers signed a 19 of 21 draftees and the only two they didn't sign were high schoolers in the 17th and 18th rounds so they literally signed all but two and the two they didn't were very very back end of the draft guys anyways they're going to go to college and try and raise their draft stock so I think that is a massive win we'll kind of talk about it more after I tell y'all about our friends over at Ibotta It's officially summer, and with the new season comes new clothes. But your closet shouldn't be the only thing growing when you make those purchases. Now you can also watch your cash grow with each purchase rather with Ibotta. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items and produce and personal care to pantry goods, clothes, etc. So you you can make beating inflation your priority no matter what. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It's simply that easy. Other apps give you points that don't really end up amounting to much, but with Ibotta, you get real cash back fast and you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, gift cards, etc. anytime you want. You earn cash backs on, on hundreds of online brands and retailers as well. So when you start with Ibotta, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. It really is, again, very, very clutch. So right now, Ibotta is also offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta and using code MLB when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use code MLB. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use code MLB. All right, everybody, welcome back. Segment two here, Locked On Tigers. I appreciate you all for tuning in, making us your first listen every single day. Free and available wherever you get your podcast. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We'll be back tomorrow, hopefully recapping a doubleheader with the Los Angeles Angels. Um, also, be sure to check out the Tigers home broadcast on the SiriusXM app. Just search Detroit Tigers and you get the home broadcast. Pretty clutch there. Get to listen to some legends in our radio booth. So um, let's talk about the draft a little bit. We'll kind of close the door on that conversation. Then we'll get into the trade talk that I'm sure everybody really actually wants to listen to but uh, this stuff is really important man like this is how you build a farm system like this illusion that a farm system is simply just like first round picks and that's it man is 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 really like not true even remotely like these are this is foundational pieces being laid here and uh we talked about on the draft recap episode not the max clark one but the one after that where we talked about everybody else that we drafted um we had mentioned, you know, and there was a discussion and there was some doubt about like, okay, yeah, we drafted nine prep guys, which is like three times more than Avila ever did in a single draft class ever. Like the, the most Avila, I tweeted this out at the time, but I think, I think it was the most 
prep players that Avila ever drafted in the first 20 rounds, at least like the actual guys that it would end up being a part of the organization in any of his drafts was three. Scott Harris's first draft, he drafted nine and he was able to sign seven of those nine and then sign every single college player that he drafted as well. 19 of 21 is, uh, is really solid. So the two that did not sign just so we're clear is Ethan Ferris, who's a third baseman, from Texas, uh, and then also uh, pitcher Blake Pavarov from Arizona, who is, uh, sorry, no, he was the one we did sign. Went the wrong way. Bradley Stewart, the pitcher from Cooper Christie High School. So those are the two uh, prep players, Ethan Ferris and Bradley Stewart, uh, that did not sign. But everybody else locked up. And that's a really great sign. So, um, yeah, the, the signability issue ended up not being too much of an issue. Also, something I want to discuss is the fact that with that, you know, signability quote-unquote issue, the Detroit Tigers officially spent $17,617,000. Jeez Louise, I cannot read numbers. All right, we're going to try this one more time. Everyone ready? $17,677,450. Boom. Okay. Goodness gracious. That was really, really a struggle for me. I'm sorry. Um, but with that number, 17.6 mil about, that is the most that any team spent in the entire league on signing their draft picks. So again, when going back to the Max Clark pick and people complaining about like, oh, they only took Max Clark so they they could save money. No, (laughs) objectively wrong. And like we talked about that at the time, it it wasn't to save money overall. It was to put themselves in a position where they could draft high school players later. They did exactly to a T what we talked about on here with their strategy after taking two prep guys in their first two picks, right? Um, in, uh, especially with Clark at the top. So that's 17.6. It's not even close either. The pirates are second and they had 17.1. So the Tigers spent $500,000 more than the second place team on this list and 1.5 mil over the team that spent the third most, which was the Nationals. So again, not even close blew every other team, honestly, out of the water, uh, with this and the, again one of the biggest re- they went over their pool money we talked about it going into the draft as well in the bonus episode uh they had uh, like 15 and a half i want to say somewhere around there 15 15 and a half million bonus pool money heading into the draft they ended up spending two million dollars over that um now it, it's kind of complicated but they like if you go significantly over the allotted pool money you get taxed on that like that that's like the equivalent of like going over the luxury tax so this this notion, and I'm not trying to defend ownership. Trust me, that's the last thing I'm trying to do here. Um, I'm more trying to to defend Scott Harris a little bit uh, than anything else because a lot of people in my mentions and in my comments after the Clark pick were like, "You're, you know, just like standing in the way of of this team. Let us be upset. Like they're clearly just trying to save money, and like that's objectively not true with these numbers being released. Cool." Cool. So I think that's a really successful first draft for Scott Harris. Obviously, only time will tell. Five years from now, if all these guys suck, then we'll look back and be like, wow, that was disappointing. But on July 26, you know, just two and a half, three weeks after the draft itself, I'm pretty pleased with how this turned out. I'm actually really excited 
it's some of the most excited I've been about a Tigers draft in, in, in quite some time, to be completely honest with you. So thumbs up all around. Um, let's talk about the trade deadline. That's everybody. That's what everybody wants to hear. Um, as far as let's start with the AL central. Okay. Cause I, I, this is really like a fascinating conversation to me when discussing the AL central and what the plan of each of these teams is at the deadline. I think you kind of get somewhat of a clear picture on the direction long-term of a lot of these franchises. And that obviously directly impacts the Detroit Tigers. So We'll save the Tigers, obviously, for the end of the show. We'll kind of just riff about where they stand and, and any rumors and news and notes and anything out of that camp um, at, at the end here. But, let, I mean, just team by team. The Royals, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't want to be too aggressive with this. I think Oakland A's included. Like, everybody included. Nationals included. You You name the team. I think the Royals might be the furthest away from contention in all of baseball. I think the Kansas City Royals are just dreadful at the moment. And like I, I don't have like a like a well, I don't really like the Royals, to be honest with you. I was gonna say I don't have like a deep hatred for the Royals, but like, nah, that might only be half true. Um <laughs> but like currently, this current Royals team, I you know, they're the Royals still. But like the, as far as you know, the individual players are one, I don't have any disdain for most of them. It's just like every single prospect they've called up has been somewhat disappointing. Maybe Bobby Witt is like kind of turning a corner a little bit this year. Um certainly better than he was last year, so I guess that's, you know, we we got to give him credit, but like they were supposed to have a pitching juggernaut when the Tigers were doing their, you know, we're going to draft a pitcher in the first round every year. And, 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 you know, we have Franklin Perez and we have Bo Burrows and, and we, you know, then we add Casey Mize to it and Matt Manning and, and, and all this, right? Like that was supposed to be like the Tigers MO it was supposed to just be a lot of dogs in the rotation. And that obviously didn't end up happening. The Royals, it did not end up happening to like an extreme. Like, not only are those guys like, oh, like they're kind of struggling at the major league level. There are some of them that like may just never be impact players at the major league level. They Their rebuild has failed tremendously. Like, like it, 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 I can't really articulate. I can't find an adjective to describe how significantly their rebuild has failed. So like they're, they're done. They're going to sell at the deadline. We don't have to worry about them for the next four years. I just want to start off with that. Every other team is in a really unique, like, conversation-worthy scenario. The Twins, obviously, winning the division this year. I can't imagine they're going to sell when they are currently in first place. They're two games ahead of Cleveland, six and a half games ahead of us. They're 54-50. and 50. Uh, They're on an L2 this in on the time of this recording, so two-game losing streak. That's kind of nice, but they got off to a good start after the All-Star break. Um, and, and whether they like go all in, all in and like hardcore buy is yet to be seen, but they're certainly not selling. And as far as the future of the twins goes, I mean, you can go back and, and we'll do this at the end of the season. We'll go back and look at my projections I had for like, we, we did a whole episode in March during spring training about like, uh, my projections for like all 30 teams pretty much. And the twins, I was very sour on. I was like, yeah, like everyone thinks they got Correa and they're going to be good. Like they had Correa last year and they weren't that good. Like, I don't really see it. 
Um, obviously, they've gotten great pitching out of Joe Ryan, who actually ironically got rocked on Wednesday. But Joe Ryan and Sonny Gray have been really good this year. Um, but I still like that there's still several pieces away from being like a legit like top end of the division uh, in like a normal division <laughs> ball club to me. So at the deadline, I'd imagine they're going to go out and try to add some pieces, but I don't see them like mortgaging the future to hardcore buy unless they are getting someone with like longer than a rental, I guess is my point. So kind of interesting situation there. I expect them to be this like just barely above 500 team for the foreseeable future, unless they make another move this winter. Um, Cleveland is fascinating because I, I was very wrong about Cleveland. We'll talk about them right after this. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Third and final segment of Locked on Tigers. I appreciate you all for tuning in. Um, be sure to check out the Tigers home broadcast on the SiriusXM app. Just search Detroit Tigers, and you will get the Tigers home broadcast on the SiriusXM app. Super cool feature. Um, okay, so let's get right back into it. I mean, Cleveland is two games out of first right now. Honestly, I might still say Cleveland's going to win the division. They're exactly 500. They're 51 and 51 at the time of this recording. I, I like, that's how little I believe in the twins. And it's more of that than it is like some just like blind faith in the guardians. But like, I, I legitimately do not believe in the Minnesota twins whatsoever to like put a run together and end up being like five to 10 games over 500 at the end of the year. Um, again, we'll see how their deadline goes. Cleveland's just, a, they're always going to be this. Like they're always, they're going to be really good some years. They'll be around 500 some years. As long as they have J-Ram and they're like minor league pitching factory in place, which both are still very much in place, they're always going to be like okay or better. They're, they're not going to bottom out anytime soon. They're going to be players. They're going to have to be a team that the Tigers are going to have to leapfrog at some point. Even if that's not leapfrogging like a 90-95 win Cleveland team, uh, it, they're certainly in a better position than the Tigers are right now. And they've just gotten zero offense this season. So except for J Ram. So that's a team that at the deadline, I could see them buying some bats for sure. And letting go with some, I mean, they have a decent prospect pool, probably decent is probably an understatement. I really like Cleveland's prospect pool. Um, so it wouldn't shock me if they went out there and got some bats, but they also don't pay anyone. So I'm not sure they're going to be looking at too many rentals. I think they might be more of a like, oh, we'll give you a better prospect if you give me a year and a half of a decent hitter or two and a half years even of a decent hitter. Um, so that's kind of where I see them standing. But the future of Cleveland, I they're going to be 500 or better, around 500 or better, I'll say, for the foreseeable future in my eyes. Chicago is a bleep show. That's what the Chicago White Sox are. This has been an absolute train wreck and disaster of the last two seasons for the Chicago White Sox. Um, as a Tiger fan, it is admittedly like kind of nice, just given how often we had to listen to the South side for like five years. Just talk about like, our prospects are coming. Our prospects are coming. Watch out, dude. Watch out. Oh, no. You know, bleep you. You don't believe. We're going to be so good, and we're going to own the AL Central for a decade. And then they win one division title and immediately go back to being bad. Like that's as a, as the fan in me, not the analyst, but the fan in me, that makes me smile. Um, the analyst in me is looking at their, what are they 20 games under 500? Oh my gosh. Holy cow. I didn't even realize it was that bad. 41 and 61. 
goodness gravy. Um, so they're selling. They're hardcore selling at that. I think they should sell literally everybody. Like this, this clearly didn't work. They they got, gave you know Luis Robert the Atlanta Braves contract where he's going to be there for the next decade. He's a fantastic talent. If he even walked like once a week, he would literally be an MVP. But like he doesn't, um, and he's still incredible. He's still going to put up like a five and a half win season this year, even without walking, basically. So it's very impressive. He's he's unbelievably talented. Um, so they they're going to try to build around him. But I would trade everyone, dude. There's rumors apparently that like anyone wants Tim Anderson right now. Do it immediately. What are we even waiting for? He is the worst OPS. Like if you think Javi's been underperforming, he has. Don't get me wrong. Tim Anderson is like significantly worse of an OPS than Javi Baez. Um, so like they should move him if there's any interest in that. Uh, like I think they should literally trade everyone. They should trade Eloy. That they should trade both pitchers. They should trade Cease and Giolito. Um, outside everyone not named Luis Robert, I think should be on the block for this team, and that's going to cause not that they were like in the mix. We're six and we're five and a half games better than them this year. So not that they were really in the mix. Um, as is like this season with like the Tigers, not really a team that we had to leapfrog or anything. Um, I think going forward, they should sell everything, get what you can and try again with like a new regime. I have no idea how, uh, Han has been employed for as long as he has. I, I, they should, they should just try again. Um, yeah, I have a lot, I have a lot of uh, friends that are White Sox fans uh, down in Chicago and we have this discussion often. I, I just... I can't fathom a reality in which they don't hardcore sell and like try to just keep making this thing work that clearly is not going to. So um, that's kind of where I stand with everybody in the central in regards to the Tigers. You know, I, I think that they, we talk about not being too reactionary and, and we talk about how bad I am at it just because I have a daily show and there's a game every single day and, you know, not getting too high with the highs and, and too low with the lows across the season. I, I do think that the Tigers currently have are, are in a decent spot. And when you go back to preseason expectations, I'm not sure they were significantly more than nine games under 500 heading into like trade deadline conversations. Um, and I also think that we have some pieces in place that are exciting for the future. Obviously, Green, Torkelson's been good over the last month. Um, Kerry Carpenter is a guy that you can go back. You know, I, I don't, I don't get to hide like all of my takes I've ever had are very public for everybody. Um, I had said that I would rather Akil Badu make the opening day roster than Kerry Carpenter in March. Um, and that's obviously preposterous now. And Kerry Carpenter is, is one of the two best hitters on this team. And there was a rumor, I think it was Morosi tweeted out that teams are, there's robust interest in Kerry Carpenter. And I tweeted, I have robust interest in being a millionaire because that's preposterous that like you, you can have all the interest in you, you want. Um, I don't think Kerry Carpenter is going anywhere. Now, that being said, I do want to talk about some under the radar rumors and candidates uh, for the Tigers team. We talk about the obvious ones all the time. Uh, we talk about the the like Shreve, Cisnero and like Erod Lorenzen, obviously. Um, but I, I do think that there's some some under the radar guys that I don't think is likely. I want to preface with this. This is not me saying that this will happen or that it's it's likely to happen or that I think it's going to happen. 
These are dark horse candidates. It's supposed to be unlikely. Okay. Um, some of them we already talked about. I think Akil Badu is an under the radar uh, player. He's been really, really struggling. We talked about on yesterday's show lately. So um, I don't know how much of a market he has, but a guy that that walks and has years of team control left is always going to be somewhat in the mix there. Um, but they just have a lot of lefty outfielders already at the major league level with more coming like that. Just I, I feel like something has to bend. Uh, if not break there. So we'll see what happens in that regard. But one of the names that's been coming up a lot lately within the fan base and, and, you know, like other writers and, and other like media tigers, media people have been bringing up is Tarek Skubal. Um, and uh, like put the pitchforks down for a second, right? Take a deep breath. I'm not, again, I'm not advocating for them to go out and trade Tarek Skubal, but my mindset is, Pretty much anyone not named Riley Green. Uh, I was going to say Spencer Torgelson, but I don't even know. I don't know if a good enough offer came across my table. I don't know. I'd probably entertain that. I was just trying to think if there's anybody else that I view like truly untouchable. And I think outside of Riley Green, I don't. And like even what I just said about Kerry Carpenter, right? Like I I don't want to give Kerry Carpenter away. And my mindset there is not trade everybody, right? Okay, we're going to make that crystal clear uh, before that's misinterpreted. My mindset is just like you are at a point where if anyone overpays for something, you have to entertain it. You do not have a competitive roster right now at all. So again, I don't think we're going to make 15 trades. I don't think we're going to trade like Torkelson and Carpenter, but like you, you have to have an open phone line for pretty much anybody not named Riley Green. So I don't think Carpenter's happening. You know, don't, don't hold your breath or anything. It's, it's not, not that deep. Um, but if someone was to walk up to you and be like, Hey, here's like two top 50 prospects and they can hit and they're actually plus defenders at good positions, then obviously you're going to entertain that. Um, but it's not happening. So Kerry Carpenter is going to be here to stay. Um, but Tarek Skubal, that was before ADHD happened. That's what we were talking about. As far as Tarek Skubal goes, um, I, I think that it's a lot more feasible than people realize. And feasible does not mean likely, but it, it's it's a lot more of a possibility than I, I think a lot of people think. Wow, I just said think about five times there. My fault. Um, so, and the reason for that is just that this team has proven, and Tarek Skubal is an electric pitcher, and they, I'm almost certain, are going to hold on to him. Uh, and that's awesome because I think he has the potential to be a top of the rotation arm. Okay, we're we're all we're all very clear about that. But I, I think this organization's at a point where if you get an offer of Tarek Skubal and you get multiple highly regarded young bats. You have to seriously entertain that because this team has proven with a lot of people, A, that they are able to get good pitching out of nearly anyone, okay? And I know that the rest of this year would be brutal because you're trading Erod and Lorenzen. So if you trade all three of them, like it'd be very, very thin starting pitching rotation for the remainder of the year. But like long-term, you have Scooble, who, again, great pitcher, electric stuff, a very, very high ceiling. Um, if you're weighing the pros and the cons, like this offense has been so bad for so long. I do think you have to legitimately entertain that if it is offered, if it is offered to you. There's a difference between 
taking calls on someone and actively shopping someone, calling other teams about someone. I don't think that we're going around asking like, hey, you want Tarek Skubal? But I do think if someone said like, hey, let's talk Tarek, that you're not like, all right, I'm just hanging up the phone immediately like you would for Riley Green. So I, I, not that he's like a dark horse. I, again, I don't think this is happening, but I, just a lot of people have addressed it and I felt the need to then address it on here as well. I, I don't think it's impossible. I really don't. And um, if a team is desperate enough for starting pitching and has a plethora of really, really, again, it's going to take high end. You better get a ransom, right? Like you're, you're not getting rid of him for nothing. If you're trading Scooble, you better get a boatload of bat uh, like young, controllable, high-end bat prospects um, that are probably close to Major League ready as well. So that's kind of where I stand on that. Not impossible, but certainly far from likely. Um, Jason Shreve, like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe he had a bad outing, obviously. But I, I do think, I think MLB trade rumors said that some teams are looking at him. Like, he's going to be a fine lefty down the stretch for somebody. Very low leverage lefty, but that, you know, that always has value to teams. We might be able to get some C-level double-A prospect for somebody uh, like him. So, yeah, like, that. that's really – Tarek's really the big one that I, I think as far as, like, oh, who have we not – you know, people ask me that all the time. Like, who besides the obvious ones are kind of candidates – I think Badu and, and, and Scooble are kind of good places to start, even though I, I don't think they're likely – um, and then like, obviously you have to have the folding lane conversation, which we've had a million times. So I don't really feel the need to go into that in depth anymore. In this episode, we will certainly do it again. We have an off day the day before the deadline. We have an off the Tigers have an off day on the 31st and the deadline is the first and we play at seven, uh, on the first. So we will certainly have like a full trade deadline kind of frenzy, uh, on on the day of the episode that is the episode of August 1st that we will kind of go way more in depth and have final predictions and all that. But that's kind of where I stand. Cool? Cool. Thanks for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen every day. Free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team. Every day, shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We'll be back tomorrow recapping, hopefully, a doubleheader against the Angels. Uh, as far as that goes, you're getting Otani on the mound now, which is super frustrating because we were going to miss him. We were going to get three guys that had ERAs over four. Now we're getting, like, one of the greatest players to ever step foot on a baseball field. Not a great trade-off in my eyes for, like, a night of rain, but to each their own, I guess. So we'll see. Again, you got to remember, these games are so important to the Angels. I'm not sure there's a team in baseball where the next week of games uh, means more than the next week of games means to the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. All right. I'll catch you all tomorrow, baby. Peace and love. Going to Therapy's Dope. I'll see you all then. Go Tigers.